Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Caged In. This is your first time listening. My name is Petros, and I try and figure out, is Nicolas Cage on the nice or naughty list of cinema history? I say that analogy because, obviously, we're two days away from Christmas, and it's been a it's been a bumper-packed, festive treat for you over on Caged In. If you haven't listened already, yesterday uh, I released an episode about the new Cage film, Jiu-Jitsu with James Rodriguez, where we give a total spoiler-free conversation about that film and let you know whether it's one you need to put in your stocking or leave well away from your tree. And tomorrow, Christmas Eve, you'll get another little Christmas treat in the Cagemus Spectacular, where myself and returning guest, Liam H. Dempsey of the fantastic Spotlight podcast will be talking about two festive films linked by one Charles Dickens story. Of course, we will be talking about Christmas Carol, the movie, the 2001 animated adaptation, as well as Richard Donner's 1988 Scrooged. So please do listen to that But for today's episode, I was joined by the fantastic illustrator and zine maker, Rachel Lee Carter, to talk about this strange fan favourite Lynchian body swap erotic thriller. It's, It's a film that needs to be seen to be believed, and the film is Between Worlds. In this episode, I asked Rachel, is she a Nicolas Cage fan? What was her first and which is her favourite Nicolas Cage movie? As well as trying to score the film by asking three silly but relevant questions. Does he have bad hair? Does he freak out? And does he do a crazy voice? If you haven't seen this film, please do pause the podcast now if you'd like to watch along. You'll be able to find a handy Google Doc in the show notes that will tell you if and where the film is streaming at the moment. It only happens to be the UK and the US. If you are a listener and you are based anywhere in the world, please do let me know and I can update that file so it's a 
a nice resource for Nick Cage fans, caged in listeners across the world to kind of go, oh, that's changed from there to there. It's, it's an open source doc, so you can add to it, you can change it. Or if it's not open source, you can always ask me and I can make it so anyone can change it if people want to change it for the worst and just say it is on a platform when it isn't. Well, shame on you. That's not the spirit of Nick Cage. That's not the spirit of Caged In. And that's definitely not the spirit of Christmas. But please do be sure to enjoy this episode and join me at the end where I'll talk about what's coming up next week in the proper full episode and so much more. There's only one thing left to do, and that's to get raging with cage a mere victim of circumstance or the butt of a cruel cosmic joke nicholas cage plays joe a down on his luck trucker who tries to do the right thing and his world spirals out of control from there i'm of course talking about between worlds I'm joined this week by zine maker and self-confessed Nick Cage fan, Rachel Lee Carter. How are you, Rachel? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. It's, it's, it's genuinely my, my pleasure. I'm just, this wild journey has managed to get me to speak to so many different Cage fans. In, or, <laughs> yeah, even people who have worked with him in the past, stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's always, I feel humbled anytime someone says, yeah, I'd love to come talk some... Nicholas Cage. Um, <laughs> so before we get into talking about Between Worlds, I always ask my guests three questions. The first one seems redundant because, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't uh, publish a zine that is dedicated to Nick Cage unless you were a Nick Cage fan. Yeah, it feels quite redundant to ask you whether you are a Nick Cage fan or not because it's quite evident that you are um yes how did the, how did the zine come about before we before i jump into my other question well um i'm a big fan of nick cage and um I, a little back history i used to run a blog about klaus kinski um and i was planning on um reviewing all of his watching and reviewing all of his films and interviewing people who worked with him, which I was doing, and I was very um, happy with it and enjoying it and everything. And then this awful story came out about from one of his daughters about how he'd sexually abused her. And I thought, oh, I can't do that anymore. So it was just just terrible. So I was looking for someone to replace him. And who could replace Klaus Kinski except Nicolas Cage? So, <laughs> um, so I start, instead of doing a blog, I thought, I'll do... I'd started doing little doodle like doing little drawings and things like that uh I'm not very good at, at drawing really um um yeah but I thought oh, I'll do I'll do a, a zine instead because I started making zines in between time uh just for fun and uh, I thought I'll do a zine instead of a website so um I'd just do some drawings and write about Nicholas Cage's films and that that's that's how that all started off really um he was a replacement for this hole in my life which was um previously filled by um Klaus Kinski <laughs> um and I know Nicholas Cage has said previously that he kind of 
saw himself as being like the the um, um, Californian Klaus Kinski or something. So, um, so it's well, kind of kind of fitting. Well, it makes perfect sense as well that he'd eventually find his way to work with Werner Herzog. Um, I imagine it was a great honour for Nicolas Cage to do that if he kind of sees himself in that lineage. Um, uh, but to your zine, like you say you're not good at drawing. I think you encapsulate like an essence of Nick Cage that is perfect. Like, uh, and I, I've, I've actually got it here in front of me. And like, yeah, for the listeners, for someone who says they're not very good at drawing, the, 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 the illustrations in this are great. It's just kind of, as I said, they encapsulate this kind of cage-like spirit as I've kind of found with, uh, yeah, even e- even myself kind of recording as many podcasts as I can, as quick as I can, in almost like a, a cage-like work ethic. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my second question always to anyone mm. who's on the podcast is, what was the first Nick Cage film you remember seeing? Um, it was Raising Arizona is the first one I remember seeing. Um, uh, but but I hadn't, it, I didn't sort of know who Nicolas Cage was, if you know what I mean. But yeah, um, yeah. It, it was later and uh, really, really and truly, um, I'd, I mean, I'd seen him in lots of things, but uh, Wild at Heart really uh, took me by storm. And uh, I, I love that film, but um, I love loads of other films by Nicolas Cage, of course. But uh, but I think it was that because I'm a very big David Lynch fan. Um, but but yeah, the first one I I remember seeing, although I'd actually seen Rumblefish and things. But of course, he mm. got really small role in that. But you know, the the first time I remember seeing Nicolas Cage was Raising Arizona, I think. And what would you say is your favourite Nick Cage movie? Oh, good lord! Now that depends on the day because i've got several favorites and um um wild at heart is one of them and mandy is another one and joe is another one and uh, i don't know you know i i I like different ones on different days really but i'd say those three are are three of my very favorites those three are fantastic as well you kind of Mm. get to see a a real range of uh, cage in those ones especially joe i watched that for the first time recently and it's very good isn't it wow what what a what a like i keep liking it to everyone i speak to about it. it's kind of the, how adam sandler got like toted for like oscars like this year um it was that kind of role it was something that was against type obviously by that time nicholas cage had pigeoned himself or like had been pigeonholed as this kind of he'll do anything actor and then he did this kind of performance out of nowhere in a fantastic like all the cast in that movie are like outstanding but yeah especially him uh yeah and it didn't get a lot of attention did it no that that is that is the thing that is like i and i i hate to think it's only a theory of mine that it, it possibly is that kind of that that was the early start of Nicolas Cage becoming the meme that he has like since kind of turned into so I think a lot of people possibly thought oh it's Nicolas Cage I won't give it the attention it deserves and yeah I will I, I will sing that film's praises until mm. until the bitter end 
Yeah, because I think in in my zine that I do, um, I said in the intro, it, it just kind of drives me a bit mad that but people who haven't really seen any of his films or they've maybe seen one or something just say, oh, he's always in terrible films. And okay, we know he's done quite a lot of films that <laughs> don't really matter, but he always makes them better. Um, but they don't, they haven't seen the good films, you know. So, so everybody just writes him off as this weird actor who's, who's always shouting or, you know, um, making weird gestures and uh, so on, and all these memes, you know. But but they don't give him a chance and and actually think about watching some of the other films. They just say he's always in weird films. So that drives me a bit mad, really, that people say, oh, he's terrible. He's a really bad actor. And I just don't think that's true anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think he's uh, he's not given the right kind of attention. So, yeah, sad, isn't it? It's, it's massively sad. And especially in that, in interviews, he says himself that, like, he... He decides to take these roles, whether sometimes it may be financially, but Mm. he hasn't kind of done himself the disservice that kind of a lot of top tier actors tend to do. If you think of like Leonardo DiCaprio's, for instance, that will only tend to work with kind of the what are considered the creme de la creme of directors. So like he's pigeon, he's pigeon, he's pigeonholed himself in the way that. Leonardo DiCaprio can only do a Scorsese or can only do like a, that 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 caliber of director film, whereas mm. Nicolas Cage almost does films directed by people who are fans of his early work, which is mm. fantastic. Like, you, and you can see that by a lot of the a lot of the choices and a lot of the roles he does, and this one especially. I don't understand how it happened, but. The universe giving me a second chance. I need your help with my daughter. What are you doing here? Without your help, my daughter would be gone now. Try and get some rest. I brought her back. You brought someone back. I missed you. You. When you go to the other side, are there other people there? His wife and his daughter, they died in a fire. I missed you. Great that you mentioned you're a fan of David Lynch because it 
it makes sense why you pick this why you pick this uh film to talk about uh <laughs> so yeah shall we let's just try and make sense of this kind of hodgepodge of of, of a movie and i say that in like i've just watched this so i'm kind of still kind of processing it myself but what is it that made you pick to talk about uh, between worlds well i just looked at the list of films that you um haven't already reviewed on on the show and um and i thought i it was it was quite an odd one i i saw it at, did you go to cage rama at all the the nicholas cage film festival no, in I, glasgow I, I, I've n- I've never been. I've 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 always meant to, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of a lot of life got in the way. <laughs> yeah, well, um, in um, at Kajarama two, I missed the first one. I I didn't know about it in time. Um, but um, Kajarama two, which was um, not this January, but the January before, yes. um, they did the UK premiere of this film there and um, they said oh you know just wait till you see this film and uh, they kind of gave an indication that uh, uh, that you kind of thought is it going to be rubbish or is it <laughs> going to be really good or what's the deal and uh, they just kept kind of laughing going oh just wait till you see this film so I really didn't know what to expect and um, I really enjoyed it and um, I've watched it uh, I watched it again after the the film festival, so this was the third time I watched it for your show, just <laughs> to remind myself of um, bits and pieces about it. Um, and uh, sadly, it's on a DVD only release at the moment. Um, it pro- it's probably available on other platforms, but um, there's no Blu-ray as far as I'm aware, and it's kind of a bare bones DVD with no extras, and it's only. 86 minutes long so it's not you know it's nothing uh, it's it's it doesn't take up too much of your time to watch <laughs> it but I couldn't it's one of those films that um that I could I first of all question whether the director realizes it's funny but she must she must know it's funny um because well, yeah, do you Nic- think Nicholas Cage himself says uh, in an interview that like he was going for comedy in this and there's obviously moments in it uh to yeah to obviously jump into it there's a there's a moment where he is having sex with a woman who is his new girlfriend's daughter but is somehow possessed by the ghost of his <laughs> his dead wife if his, if his wife his dead wife yeah 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 and um i mean i kind of thought it she must the director must have written this as something that's funny because Nicolas Cage is having sex with this girl and she's saying I, I read from memories and he's got this this poetry book in his hand called memories memories by Nicolas Cage <laughs> and uh, and he's reading out this kind of um poetic crazy filthy poetry uh which um at Cage of Rama they they had a little um mock-up book of it you know so so they had the memories book um (laughs) with with the poetry in it and everything um yeah it's so it must be intentionally funny but and yet he's the only one that's kind of playing it for the laughs isn't he well yeah it's got this thing that like for me at moments it kind of there was certain scenes and I think one that stood out for me is when 
the two friends of the daughter come to the hospital reminded me of like could have easily been a scene out of the room it was very wooden and they kind of like came in like there's no not we don't we don't really know who they are yeah like the mum just kind of like shouts at them and it's it's almost like stage like so kind of shuffle in like stage right and then kind of like back up again and it's kind of yeah did what what did that I, I, i don't know what that achieved but then the next moment it's kind of reminded me of like twin peaks and that probably is to do with the fact that uh, Angelo Badalamenti did like the theme for did this. The, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's 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 frankly like this was a crazy year for Cage because this was 2018, which like from yeah from research is the busiest year in his career, like for output. So he's eight credits this year. That's one documentary appearance, two animated. And five feature films. Even on feature yeah. films alone, that's like that is his like top top tier. Like the amount he's put out, and it's it's absolutely insane. That he, I don't know. This so this <laughs> this movie is like go, going into my notes here. Like eighteen minutes in, I was like, a lot has happened. A lot has happened in eighteen minutes. Like it kind of hits the ground running, doesn't it? Like there's no yeah. Like, there's there's no chance for you to like go oh like what's going on because like this is happening whether you like it or not like like, yeah (laughs) as soon as he turns up in his snake skin boots and uh rocks up at that um that service station um gas station whatever you want to call it 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 all starts happening straight away um yeah and there he is sort of looking a bit chunky dirty looking with his um greasy lank hair and his baseball cap and tons of rings that look like knuckle dusters because he's got so many of them on sort of swigging from a hip flask and chomping on no drowsy tablets um and and you know walking around i'm pretty sure he was um when he was in the um in the shop there he was he was eating some kind of like i don't know i want to say sausage roll but they probably wasn't a sausage roll but he's walking around and he's reading he looks like he's reading a, a magazine about um about buying properties or something i don't know and um it, it's all it all seems like a little bit of a joke and um so the the story is that this woman who he meets julie um had some kind of accident when she was young where she was submerged under icy water and uh, nearly died and as a result found out that she could go out of her body into into a into the between world as as they call it and uh, and since then you know she's putting her skills to use because her daughter's currently in a coma after a nasty bike accident and um, and she's being throttled by some guy in the why she said that is a friend of hers and she asked him to do it but why they've met in in the toilets of a yeah of a I, gas station i don't know i, I, um, I didn't get that and it, like for me her kind of like power like to, like within the first half hour i was thinking oh this is this is essentially like flatliners light but like kind of merged with like an erotic thriller it's like if, 
if 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 Joel Schumacher's yeah flatliners was like let should we make should we make flatliners sexy because like that, that's kind of that's kind of what this what this movie does but like yeah there's some kind of autoerotic thing going on yeah, there there's, there's that there's and there's a lot of there's a lot of sex in this film and like there I, is <laughs> yeah like frantic and and it's kind of like as soon as he goes home with her he's only just met her he's um she's then subsequently because he's kind of beaten up this guy that he thought was beating her up or trying to kill her or something she's like you need to help me because um you know my daughter's lapsed back into her coma and i need you to throttle me now so you need to help me so <laughs> he's kind of reluctantly does and um and then goes home with her and within about two minutes or something they're um making out in a whirlwind of out-shaped flesh and tattoos on the settee and it's all it's all really rather um animalistic well yeah everything happens like so quickly in this film and it like it makes me like question his like just the willingness to say yes and he just goes with everything straight away all all the way throughout this movie and like he does and and at the same time he's saying to her oh you know i've never been he he explains because because it's that you you know that this is a crazy film anyway because when she says have you got children of your own and he's like have I got a family yeah I've got a wife and a, a daughter shows her the picture do you like it yeah she says and he says oops they're dead yeah and um, <laughs> you know she's like oh sorry to hear that and uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. you, don't, you just don't know what he just kind of he says to her what what has this all got to do with getting strangled but he just just you know, he goes along with it. He takes her to the hospital. He waits with her. He goes in and sees her daughter. And, you know, even if he'd felt some kind of responsibility for the fact that he'd disturbed her being throttled by this guy, the fact that he stays in the hospital and says he's going to stay awake to let her know when her daughter comes out of the coma and he's supposed to be going on this job, um, taking this load over to Biloxi or wherever he's going and um and he just stays there with her and goes in and sees her daughter and it's when the daughter sees him um that she kind of um goes back into a into a coma and that's when his dead wife the spirit of his dead wife goes into this girl's body so she's no longer Julie's daughter Billy she's now Joe's wife mary in billy's young body and um yeah it's it's a very bizarre co- it's quite similar there's a david decoffney film um that has a very similar premise i can't um can't quite remember the name if i do remember but that has a premise where a daughter and a wife like die at the beginning but the 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 like consciousness of the wife is transferred into the daughter's body so it's essentially a a story of like is is incest okay if it's your wife's consciousness <laughs> in your daughter's body the film in question is the vincent perez 2007 film the secret and this kind of plays in the same sandbox of just like he, he kind of gets himself in this 
weird yeah. love, love triangle that, that he doesn't seem to resist. Even before... Uh, Even before he knows that it's his ex-wife in Billy's body, when she's fiddling around with him under the blanket on the settee, he doesn't... He, he looks uncomfortable, but he does not try and stop her. <laughs> there's that and, like, I, I just kept thinking there is a shot from... Um, uh, is it Jay? J- yeah, it's Jane. Julie. Julie. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Julie's. Julie's the mum. Yeah. yeah. From Julie's perspective, and you can see the you could see the blanket moving up and down, and I was like, Yeah. Obviously, she would be able to see what's going on. Like she she's not even two, she's not even two meters away, and like, yeah. but still. And it's like she's what, asking for a hand with cooking the dinner. She's a couple of feet away. And uh, her daughter's saying, like, oh, I don't feel very well. I'm just going to sit here. And and he's like, um, shall I come and help? And um, she says, no, you're all right. And uh, <laughs> so he just sits there with her daughter, feeling him up underneath the blanket. We get so many, like, odd sequences as well that are kind of like, well, one of them that I've written down is, well, we get this, goo- I've written down as the goo-goo eyes scene. Where the, where, oh, yeah. Where, where <laughs> goo-goo eyes scene. She she's she's explaining that oh that like kind of explaining a bit of her daughter, which kind of makes it seem like the film itself is giving giving license to some of the stuff that's coming because like ah oh, watch my daughter she will she will give you like she, she'll she'll try she'll try it on with yeah, yeah yeah she'll give you goo goo eyes and just we get this we get this amazing cage moment where he just. Like, because he sat there stoned, having a couple of puffs on his Yeah, joint. they've been smoking dope, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and they're just yeah. laughing their heads off at goo-goo eyes, aren't they? It's um, They just keep repeating it, goo-goo yeah. eyes. <laughs> and, um, and then he says to her, where am I going to be sleeping? And she yeah. says, on the couch. And he's like, ouch, that hurts. <laughs> well, the, and, and, then, and then it leads to, again... Just, just another bizarre moment of them of them having sex again, and he's qu- he's quoting The Exorcist. He's quoting the scene where Linda <laughs> Blair like uses yes. the crucifix, and like he's not only just quoting the scene; he's asking her, "Have you seen The Exorcist? Do you yeah. remember this scene?" So, giving yeah, the audience, like giving the audience like chance to catch up and go, "Oh yeah, I do remember that scene." What yeah, talking about it during sex. Yeah, and and there's Billy, the daughter, watching them having sex on the settee. Um, yeah, it's um, it's very strange. But of course, you know, we're we're kind of beginning to wonder: is it his what? Because she's hinted; she has put hints out there. You know, I don't like being left on my own, which apparently is what Mary. Joe's wife, um, his his dead wife, had been saying to him before she died, like, "Don't leave me at home alone because I don't like being alone and and stuff." So she starts um, without knowing. Well, she does because it's apparently Mary's spirit in the body, but she just starts saying things to him that he he's a bit aghast, and uh, he, she does indicate to him that she she's known him a long time, and. He just looks like I, I don't know what you're going on about, and um, but there she is, and and so basically Billy's in the room, and it's not Billy, but it is the the dead wife Mary standing there watching her husband, 
having um, exorcist sex with um, <laughs> with Julie on the set. <laughs> well, like I'm not sure if I missed this in in the film, but are we told how long his wife and daughter have been dead for? Like, is this is this a two recent... two years? Yeah, two... so it's it's two years. Yeah, but um, because I I, I think that the idea is that um that his wife. Uh, because it turns out, of course, that, you know, spoiler, but she's seeking revenge, you know, by going into Billy's body, that she's been hanging around because there's a there's a point where the nurse turns up later. So the nurse that's in the hospital and has um, uh, brought Billy back around from her coma um, meets up with Julie and says like you've you know you've been interfering in things that you shouldn't have been and it gives an indication that she is also capable of doing this or she knows about this this process of um, going in the between world and pulling people back into back onto earth away from the deadly world and um, and she uh, she talks to her about it um, so she indicates that um, for people that have had a, a difficult death or uh, a traumatic death, that they find it quite hard to to move on, to go, to to leave this world and to leave the between world and to kind of rest in peace as such. So she's she's kind of indicated that um, sometimes people like that hang around because um, they don't want to. They don't want to go. And so so that's the idea that this woman has been dead for two years, but she decides to go into this teenage girl's body um, to tie up loose ends with Joe. That's that's my guess yeah, 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 at what's yeah, going no, off. No, yeah. Yeah. But I, I I kind of like I, I was left at the end of it. I, I was left at the end of it very confused, like and I'm sure we'll get to uh, the the final final scene of this film kind of like um left left me confused in many a way but i was just like a lot of it i was confused at it's like what what revenge was she seeking for because from from what we hear he kind of he, just because he was a trucker yeah he was yeah yeah it's <laughs> kind of the thing like she knew what she was getting into and like yeah there's, there's kind of like this moment that because it the, the it really goes off the rails i think when eventually like billy and joe well, bit, bit, yeah Ma Ma mary billy um and joe go go to like seek their old life and we see like we well we see both their old house how it how it used to look slightly yeah and they're just in this burnt out husk of a house and by then it's yeah. like this has re this has really got bizarre, like yeah. Well, it kind of gets a bit bizarre before they do that, and mm -hmm. because in that suddenly, um, you know, you can tell that there's there's a point where you know you as a viewer you're thinking Mary's in charge here. She's mm -hmm. very manipulative, and she's taking over, and she started to make Joe do things that he doesn't want to do but he's not currently objecting to them um, because at, at the point where Mary Billy, whatever you want to call her, <laughs> suggests to him that they go round to, to, to Billy's uh, boyfriend's place. So there's uh, Mike and Rick, the two dopey dope dealers, 
they go around there because for some reason they need some money i don't know what for um so they uh they go off in a in a car and she goes to see these two guys shows up opens the back door and lets joe in and joe and um joe has to knock them out but of course he you know he, he knocks out rick which one's which she he knocks out I think Mike's Mike's the I think Mike's her boyfriend. So he knocks out Mike with a, a baseball bat or something, and um, he ends up sort of accidentally shooting Rick because Rick pulls a gun on him. So in self defence, he he ends up shooting shooting Rick, and he's like, "We should get an ambulance because he might still be alive," and she's like, "Come on, we're going home." So she won't listen to it. It's like you know you're, you're doing what I say so they head off and she just doesn't give a damn that this guy might be dead and and that the other guy that's been knocked out actually might be yeah. dead too um she, she doesn't care and she doesn't care about the mom she's already knocked her out and she could be dead but you know so they so before that it's all starting to go crazy and they go to this um as you say it's like a burnt out husk of a house and um, she doesn't seem to care. Um, he's like, we've got a chance to try again, you know, to make things right. But but she doesn't care. She, you can tell that she's she's yeah, really yeah. quite manipulative and vindictive and everything, and that that perhaps it's not, you know, what he thinks. So he was having what looked like a fun relationship with Julie. You know, didn't seem to be doing very much apart from drinking and having sex and smoking drugs, but at least he was having a nice time. And suddenly Mary Billy comes between them and uh, and ruins that relationship. And, uh, and um, you know, he, he explains it because, of course, he gets caught in the act um, when... Yeah, which is like... Well, but I think preceding to that, we get this amazing, like... You don't see them enough, a like a, a double dream sequence, a nice little yes. fake, a nice little fake out yeah. dream, dream sequence where we get we get Nicolas Cage spraying um, Billy down with a hose in this yeah. kind of and like oh, I, I I briefly want to talk about the way he's dressed in this film because from oh my seeing, god yeah from seeing <laughs> like footage and photos of him in real life this doesn't seem like too much of a stretch from the Nicolas Cage like wardrobe even down to the rings and like I think yeah if you swapped out the um trucker cap for like some kind of cowboy hat cowboy or hat yeah you're on you're on the money and like yeah he like it looks like that alligator t-shirt I read oh. somewhere <laughs> that he said that he wanted to wear that because he felt that his character would like that alligator shirt. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he insisted that his character would wear an alligator T-shirt, so he did. Um, at one point, he's got black leather trousers on. Yep, perfect. Uh, <laughs> typical Nicolas Cage fair, cowboy boots. And, of course... Um after yeah after we get this scene we get like it turns out it's julie's dream 
and then and then we're like, oh, oh, it's all right. And then it gets even like you're like, oh, she then yeah, because she walks in, Billy's sees room. him, but she sees him. She goes and checks on them, doesn't she? Because she's yeah. like, oh, is something going off between them two? Because she's been having this dream where she catches them making out, and then she walks in and checks, and he's fast asleep on the settee there. But he's having a dream about Billy, isn't he? Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's like. For a film that is 86 minutes, like, I would say a good 20, if not more, is just sex scenes. Like, I cannot stress that. Not that I'm a prude and that is like, that, like, yeah. I'm like, oh. But, like, there's there's so much more story but in the, Avenue. But they're not the sexy con- sex scenes no, at all, no, no, are no, no, they? No. It's just, like, like um, a lot of, I, I, I don't know, like, thrusting. <laughs> Well, I've, I've been looking on IMDb, and uh, I love to look at what people obviously write about films. I, like, I try and not look too much because it can sometimes depress me. But uh, yeah, a lot of them, like I'll I'll, I'll pick one out just because I've read some great ones. Uh, there is, yeah, a lot of them are really against the sex in this film. So. So this one is uh, a w- one out of ten, and the headline of this uh, review is "Yikes!" with an exclamation mark. So that should be <laughs> "Yikes!" Um, this has got to be the worst Nicolas Cage movie I've ever yeah. seen. So so bad. Not a single good thing about this movie. He's just gross the whole way through. So many disgusting sex scenes. Nobody <laughs> wants to see that. I kept hoping something would happen to redeem this movie, but it never happened. Don't waste your time or money. Fortunately, it was free rental. So only thing I wasted was my time. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? The sex scenes. There was one. Did you, you see there was one sex scene with him and Billy? And he still had his underpants on. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a few. Well, there was a few continuity errors. Like, um, yeah, like there was, a, there was, a, there, there was, there was another one where a bra came off, and I think it was the first sex scene with Julia. Bra came off and then was back on, and then again <laughs> and back on. Like, and I just thought maybe... I didn't notice that, but um, but yeah, I can believe it. Um, yeah. I, I they, they didn't care about the shape of the bodies or anything either, did they? Because it's fair to say Nicholas Cage was like he'd piled on the pounds a little bit. Um, he must have been comfort eating or something at the time, so he got he got a pot belly on him, and he didn't seem to care about that. But um, the same with um, I don't know how you say her name, but you know um, Franca Patente. I don't know how yes. you say it. Yes, yes. Um, she she also didn't look at her best, you know. Um, and again, there was no, but then that kind of appealed to me because it was like, these are normal, well, I say normal people. They're not normal <laughs> at all, really. But, but you know what I mean? It was not, um, it was not glamorized in oh, any yeah. way. And, you know, so there was that about it. Uh, um, I suppose Billy was supposed to be quite um, young and sexy. Uh, and yet she was walking around in um, a T-shirt with no bra and uh, so t- clingy t-shirts and uh, but she kind of had wonky breasts and she constantly <laughs> had erect nipples so one of the nipples was about four inches higher than the other 
that is that is actually one yeah. thing I have but, in my notes. Yes, it was. It was yeah. It's just nipples in all caps because because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure uh, Penelope Miller pretty much like I've never seen someone before act with their nipples so much in a film. Uh, and I, I went that I went is that is very true. I went throughout this whole film as well, um, thinking that Penelope Miller was in uh, Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you, and then to realise it's another actress entirely. Uh, Oh. Uh, but they look the spitting image of each other and I was like, No, it can't it can't not be her. And I was like, I don't know. It's oh. uh, Yeah. Uh, do, do, yeah, do, maybe. Hmm. No, no, it's yeah. just, it is a different actress, yeah. But uh Penelope Yeah, she said this one was in Hellboy or something, wasn't yes. she? I, yes. I've not seen it, but yeah, this this Penelope Mitchell, she's in um Hellboy. Uh, um and um I mean, in terms of the acting, I mean, she, I didn't think she was bad. She was playing a stroppy teen. Um, so she was quite good at it and she was quite good at being vindictive. But the one who I really did not rate at all, and luckily she didn't have much of a role anyway, was the real Mary, um, played by Lydia Hurst. Yes, um, yes. Um... She was, I thought she was appalling. She didn't have much to do, but when she did it, it was just like, oh my God, you're the worst actress I've ever seen. <laughs> well, my my thing possibly, like my only theory on that is they did look, they, they kind of had like an uncanniness to them that they looked cl- like close enough alike, but further enough away mm. in that like... You could see to the, see the difference between them, yeah. Yes, but like, but then when you see Mary, this is another thing I don't, I didn't quite understand about this film is that obviously Mary does look like Billy, like uh, uh, when we see her. So I'm not sure why, like uh, Joe wasn't freaked out in any way that like she she looked I like guess... her as well, like. But not not too much. I mean, like there was some kind of resemblance, but not too much. But I think, um, you know, so the the slight resemblance between them and then the fact that she started saying things that Mary yes, had said yes. was obviously freaking him out a bit. Um, but it was only when she was clear with him that, you know, she started saying stuff like, I know all about you. You know, I know that your dad used to beat you up, which kind of crops up later and I don't really get this. And I, I oddly, I don't remember seeing this scene before. And this this is the this was the third time I'd seen the film. And it's right at the end when there's a flashback to when Joe was a kid and his dad was bullying him and his mom. Yes. And he shoots him. And we didn't know that he'd done that before, but I I didn't know what that was saying in terms of um because how mary had explained that mary sorry julie had explained that she kind of she ends up um sort of giving up her life for her daughter yes. uh, so so horrible mary billy shoots the mum but in a way i i kind of felt like that she didn't mind that because it was a way for her daughter to get her life back uh, and her the spirit back in the body so it um billy is no longer mary but she's she's now billy and she gets to live on so i didn't kind of think that julie 
would have minded too much other than that she lost her life <laughs> but at, at at the same time um I can't remember where I was going with that point. Yeah. So, so Julie knows that um, if she if she dies, you know, if she goes out of her body, she can bring back uh, Billy. But I didn't know what this um, Joe shooting his dad was saying, I, I, and like, what what if that had any relevance to the story at all? Well, yeah, I felt closure at the end of the film. It kind of it kind of made sense. I didn't quite understand. Well, maybe like because he had the longingness to be with his family that Joe in like a, a fantastic scene just to watch because just how batshit crazy oh my God, it is yeah. of, of yeah. him uh, dousing himself in petrol. And, and then, the lead with the packs playing for yeah. some unknown reason. Yeah, we get. Yeah, he's got a jack-in-the-box in his hand, <laughs> covering himself in petrol and... Lights a cigarette. And putting a cigarette out on his yeah. chest. yeah. Um, and it's and we get this amazing CGI flames that like yeah you could see is a no expenses spared but like that scene yeah the scene it it kind of it felt cheap to me that scene because it's like this hasn't given us any closure as to like but in a way did it because um because Mary had set fire to the house. And this was the thing is that she reveals to him because she's she's a real she's a real bitch, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Billy's body, there she is saying, you know, I, I, I didn't mean for the house to burn down. You know, I killed our daughter because, you know, she's basically explaining that she wanted to cause him pain because he'd go off in his truck for three days, you know, and she didn't like being on her own. She was obviously crazy. So she killed the daughter. She wanted him to come back and find them. So she hadn't intended really to set fire to the house, but she'd been smoking or something and um, a cigarette, the house had gone up in flames. And she had planned for him to actually find them and so that it would cause him great pain for having left them just to go out and earn money to pay, as he says, pay the mortgage and, um, you know, pay the bills and everything. She couldn't understand that, that he was only doing what he needed to do and that he didn't actually want to be away. Um, he, w- he was doing it for sensible reasons. But um, so in a way, him setting fire to uh, causing a fire again in the house, setting fire to himself. And he started seeing the spirit of his five-year-old daughter walking around and he's and he's going oh it's a it's a brilliant moment and um you know with the jack in the box and that yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. let's let's go and play and then he's going sarah 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 <laughs> and then he, he just carries on saying it and his mouth is no longer moving but the words sarah are coming out of his mouth constantly and it was just like i, I think we were all peeing ourselves laughing <laughs> in the cinema when we saw that um it was just amazing. So I think, in a way, it all, although it's not kind of a, a, a brilliant closure, it was like a Mary set fire to the house and herself, and her and her already dead daughter that she she'd killed, burnt to death, and um, and he's doing the same thing, setting fire to himself, and uh, he can join his daughter. Um, I don't know, and his dead dad, and I don't know where his mum is, but you know. Well, yeah, no, no, um, that's what I mean. Like the the ending where it is with that, with him him dying, the kind of like 
Billy gets to like lead lead her new life with her boyfriend or whatever yeah. she may do is a good ending. But then it kind of like it, it's like a band have finished and nobody's clapping, but they're like, we're just going to do an encore anyway. And that's what you get with this like tacked on scene. It's like it's giving, yeah, it's giving me nothing more. Like I didn't, yeah. need, I didn't need this, and it it's no. added nothing to the to the story. And, and it just apart. confused me yeah. That, yeah, yeah. that it was like, how how what does this mean? What what does it mean? Like what the fact that Joe killed his dad, who was clearly you know there was lots of physical and mental abuse going off in mm. his family. Um, the fact that he killed his dad. What what does that mean? No, I yeah. I don't. I don't quite. I don't quite get it. the only kind of explanation I can seem to think about is whether it was the director. Because obviously, yeah, the director of this movie, um, Maria Pulera, wrote, directed, and produced this movie. Yes. So obviously, yeah. her fingerprints are all over it, and. As yeah. we've discussed, there's very much this trying to to tap into the vein of David Lynch and especially Twin Peaks, and it just felt like I don't know. I, I, I'd imagine it, it it was her who either put that back in, as you said, you you don't remember seeing it before. Yeah, I, I mean, I I usually have quite a good memory for these things, and of course, like the first time I saw it was only a year and a few months ago and then I saw it again after that so probably about a year ago and I've watched it again and I do not remember seeing this scene before I don't I don't know well I could have easily yeah. missed it <laughs> I, I I I was ready to like um can I watch it on Netflix I was ready yeah because you like... kind of thought the credits were going to come up at that point didn't you yeah and it's only because you hear like voices in the black I'm like hey, hey hang on a minute and then yeah. like I, I had to rewind as well because obviously the to me the film had ended so I think maybe I'd like checked my phone or something like that I had mm. to rewind to see if there was some kind of like postscript to say like I don't know like x amount of years earlier or just to kind of give that scene some context but obviously apart from the name Joe then then it kind of like had me thinking like or oh, maybe like this is I don't know has the whole film been like a thing inside of his mind is this hip, it gave me like the the feelings that you would like say the end of yeah the end of Twin Peaks the return where it's like that 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 kind of thing where it's like where are they playing are we playing with dreams yeah. within dreams when, or, or like, yeah when is this yes yes exactly that like <laughs> like that that kind of moment on that but but it, it like, but it didn't play it well enough for you to kind of think no not oh. at all. no 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 not at all it was just no. like it was it was like the film's only eight well yeah <laughs> it's only 85 eight, minutes yeah let's yeah let's tack on this minute long scene or if that on the end to kind of bump it up for the dvd but it it felt like a, del a i don't know a deleted scene that didn't need to be there or just yeah yeah it, it, oh. yeah uh, yeah it's almost like they kind of forgot they thought like oh we'll cut this out we won't keep it in because in terms of backstory there's there's not a lot of backstory there's you none. do right yeah. at the beginning you see 
you see this this girl or two girls underneath the icy uh you know a, a lake that's iced over and they've they've obviously fallen in this lake and at first you don't know what that is um got is kind of creepy like floating around underwater and um not being able to get out but that's it isn't it in terms of backstory but within because... 10 minutes we get exposition that explains yes. that scene to yeah. us yeah whereas i don't know if if we had got that scene at the start as well and yeah. then and then had kind of like yeah heard Cause... about joe's like then heard oh like his wife yeah well like mary saying to him about like I uh, like I know I like I know everything about you then it would be like oh that's kind of like oh like well we know she's got a lot to we would kind of understand the hold over him that she has more yeah. as opposed to but then I don't know I'd but, imagine But if... she does say so the Mary Billy character does say you know I I know all about you and I know your dad used to, to used to beat you and okay that kind of um oh um what do they call it um a, a delay but it's like we don't need to actually see that you know yeah. you've you've indicated that his dad used to beat him which it's kind of like perhaps that you know that would have passed it would have passed as a i'm proving to you that i know about you because i'm telling you that you know you you, you used to say that your dad used to beat you. I am Mary. I know you, which is Billy trying to convince him that she's Mary in, uh, in Billy's body. We didn't actually need to see this yeah. past story, and especially at that point at, right at the end. So I, I'm, I'm really not sure. And that's the only thing that bothers me about the film, I have to say. <laughs> to kind of start to wrap things up, obviously this film critically... As like I'm looking on Rotten Tomatoes now and has a 29% oh. on Rotten Tomatoes, but this is obviously some kind of fan favourite because it's yeah. an 85 audience score, which I guess people must have tapped into kind of the the Gonzo esque nature of this film and the the intent intentional or unintentional comedy vein yeah. that's running. Very much through it, and like saying about yeah. veins, like we get probably um, the best, the best kind of analogy for neat for going to the toilet ever. When uh, Nick Cage says, oh, "I just gotta go drain the main vein, baby," and he just yeah. like <laughs> he just throws stuff in like that, doesn't he? And it's like when yeah. when um, uh, Julie says to him, "Do you want a beer?" and he says, uh, "Does the Tin Man have a sheet metal cock?" Yeah. You know, <laughs> you just. But part of me just wonders, is this in the script or is this Nicolas Cage? Because we all know what he's like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the, the, the things that he does, like when he slaps uh, Julie on the backside and shouts giddy up and, you know, <laughs> uh, all these little cagey moments in it that uh, I was hoping that there was going to be uh, making of thing and the weird thing was I don't know because I don't know how you saw this I, I've got the DVD of it and uh, in the credits at the end it says behind the scenes by Patrick Sean Green so it indicates that there's a behind the scenes film but there isn't one on the DVD oh interesting well I watched and I was on... I was 
wanting to find out a bit more about it because uh, when when I was at the um, um, K Drama, uh, the director was supposed to be attending, but I think she was ill and uh, or otherwise pre, um, unavailable in some way, so she couldn't be there. So we couldn't really do a, a Q and A with her, and I was really hoping that that we would be able to ask questions and so on. But um, I, I would really love to know how much was Cage, how much was the script, and where did that poetry come from? The, yes, the yeah. memories thing. And I've looked, I've looked online, and there's kind of not that much about her, even like in regards to like IMDb pages very scant it just has her like credits that's it there's no like background it, there's no wikipedia page like accredited to her like this is her second um directorial like effort apart yeah. uh, apart from a film called falsely accused which even that like uh the synopsis of that is shelley needs to catch a killer in order to prove her innocence in her brother's murder along the way she meets love sorrow and persecution, a, a journey of self-perception as she finally realises her destiny. Which, mm. like, it sounds like she's, like, doing interesting things and what, like, do you know what I mean? Like, there, yeah. there, is, there, there is there is a kind of, there is something in there and it's, yeah, I'd, I, I, I would love to You'd know You'd like to know well. what her intentions were. Like, yes, I guess. Was, that, was that exactly how she wanted the film to be? Was it supposed to be funny um was Nicolas Cage making it more funny than it was supposed to be or you know was it all scripted and you know it's something like unfortunately I I do worry now like especially when a film like this kind of gains the momentum in kind of being like uh like a late night cult hit for its like humor in the in the same way of like the room and like retrospectively it's it's very it's very easy for directors and the, all those involved to kind of say like oh no the the comedy's intentional very much as Tommy Wiseau does or even um yeah. Neil, Neil LeBoot the director of the Wicker Man remake he said oh no we intended it to be like a a, a comedy and it's like no you just like like you failed at making a horror film but the cards were stacked against you because you were dealing with oh, I such don't a know film. that was surely that was funny when um Nicolas Cage um kicks that um that woman <laughs> yeah yeah no, no, it <laughs> I is, mean that it, was hilarious it is funny I just I just don't think that they like intended to make it funny I just think like it was like it was funny by by the ludicrousness of it as opposed to yeah like, they should have just called it something else yeah and said had, inspired by wicker man or something i don't know but well, yeah as we've yeah. seen in the last year we had midsummer which is very much uh wick uh, uh yeah wicker man but in the scandy in, in, yeah in that was Sweden. very good though wasn't oh, it it's fa fantastic yeah and i could talk about yeah. that film all night as well but um this yeah um, before I let you go, I always, yeah. I always, always end with three, uh, three questions, and um, the three questions are: I kind of use them to rate the Nicholas Cage films. I'm, I'm yet to find out what they actually tell me, and maybe one day I will once I've watched them all. But, <laughs> uh, the, the first question is always: Does Nick Cage have bad hair in this movie? Oh my god, yeah. 
Um, in this movie, it it looks like it's his own hair, though, for once. Um, it's it's lank and greasy, but I think he's doing that for the character, and um, and he's wearing a, a baseball cap, and I, I guess it's uh, uh, it's covering it up for the most part. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, he does have bad hair in this film. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. And uh, the next question is. Does Cage have a weird voice? Does he do anything crazy? Obviously, he's known for he's known for going out there with his voice at times, whether that be Vampire's Kiss or like um, Trespass. Oh my god! If you've ever said that, that's a that's that's a voice and a half. And and, and, and what's it? Is it called Never on a Tuesday or something like that? Have you seen that one where he makes yes. a guest appearance? Yes, and I, he's I'm... got that incredibly high pitched voice and. Um, uh, uh, when Peggy Sue got married and all of that, yeah, no, he's not got um, uh, the funny voice <laughs> in that way, but he does do some of his cageisms where, you know, as I, as I said before, where um, he says, "Oops, they're yes. dead," you know, um, and and he does, you know, some of the things he says are are what I would see as cagisms, but whether they're written for him or whether he, he makes them up himself. But um, but no, he doesn't particularly put on a funny voice in this one, does he? No. I don't think, I don't think anyway. And the final question I always uh, ask is, do we get a classic cage freak out in any way? Do we get, do we, do we get what people, like a lot of people now tune in to, to see cage do as it were? Not really. Um, I, I don't think so, actually. Um, as I say, there are some good cage moments in, in that it's hilarious when he when he does some of his crazy gestures and um, and uh, some of the the things he says. Some of some of his uh, some of his dialogue is quite amusing. Um, my my, my favourite, well, one of my <laughs> one of the funniest moments is when he comes into the kitchen after. Uh, Julie's caught him in bed with Billy, and uh, and he's like, he doesn't say sorry. He's just like, you don't understand. It's Mary, <laughs> and he's there with his um um, I think is it an alligator or a crocodile t-shirt? Is it alligator? Alligator t-shirt, anyway, and uh, and some kind of um, animal print underpants. <laughs> and when she says like, put your trousers on, you're disgusting, or something like that, and he's like, oh, you, what what makes you say that, or something, you know, along those lines. And there he is, just, just stood there in the garden in in his in his pants. Um, but no, there's no major freakouts in it, really, are there? No, I mean, the, I the good the 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 thing is the chucking the gasoline all over himself and setting fire to himself but it's not a cage freak out well for a film that is just it is so nuts and like it's so heightened it's we do get a restrained somewhat mm. cage like probably because most of the time he's spent like having sex in this film uh <laughs> having sex in the film and you really do have to suspend your disbelief because um you know that the whole storyline is just crazy yeah <laughs> that that um that these people have um you know one girl's left her body and uh, a, a dead wife has entered the body and is walking around the earth um you know um 
behaving as such, but she's got, yeah, it's like one of those body switch films, isn't it? Um, yeah. Freaky, <laughs> yeah. Fr- freak, freaky, freaky Friday. Yeah, Freaky Cage Day, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Freaky freaky Cage Day, yeah. Um, well, yeah, so uh, an older lady, not old, because <laughs> she wasn't old, but an yeah. older lady in a teenager's body, you know. Um, well, before yeah. I let you go, there's like a couple of weird facts about this film that I found out there. Oh, good. This is the third film that Cage has done that's uh, set in or filmed in Mobile, Alabama. The first being uh, Rage or Tokarev, I think, depending yeah. on people. Whatever you uh, call it. Yeah. Where, wherever you live. And uh, yeah. the USS Indianapolis Men of Courage being the second. And ah. whilst, like, after this came out, uh, Cage, like, there's brilliant footage of him online wearing a cowboy hat and kind of swaggering around and he's like accosted by the mayor of mobile alabama who presents him like not in some grand ceremony it does seem kind of again like he's doorstepping him um he presents him with a key to the city actor nicholas cage certainly does seem happy to be in the city of mobile he must like it here he keeps coming back and now he's being honored by the mayor but whether you make a movie or not i'm gonna keep the city here for you and that key will get it to in any door that you want to get in i'm not sure that you need that i think you can probably get in anywhere in mobile that you want it thank you and i just want to say uh mayor stimson that uh this is my third movie here and uh, each and every time i've been in mobile i've been welcomed with great hospitality and friendship <laughs> <laughs> which is just like and, and he kind of has this bizarre speech where the the mayor's like being like well, obviously, like we we know we know you wouldn't be like turned away from any door in Mobile, Alabama, because because uh, you're Nicolas Cage. But like, here's a key to the city anyway, which will grant <laughs> to any door. And it's like, okay, like it's a very like, and it's like, had the mayor or anyone in his team watched this movie, like because. <laughs> Like, I think there's one mention of Mobile, Alabama, but, like, it's not really, like, it's not a tourist video for the for, for the city. And it's it's quite a bizarre film as well, like, in, in, yeah. in, in some of the best ways. Um, I'm going to have to look out for that video. Wait, I, you might send me a link, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will definitely send you a link, and I will post it in the show notes for this episode yeah. as well for people listening at home. Um, and this is... By my recollection, the most common name mm. of character that Nicholas Cage yeah. has ever played. So the first being uh, Wind Talkers, and then uh, Bangkok Dangerous. Yep. Of, of course, Joe. Joe. Yeah. Of and it looks like, well, it's certain that yeah. soon we'll be getting a time. I cannot wait. That Nicholas Cage <laughs> is 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 a Joe again, obviously Joe, playing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What what are your thoughts yeah. on that before I let you go? Oh, I cannot wait to see it. I love that program. <laughs> um, it was just you can see why you'd want to do it because there's so much to go on there, and I can imagine him doing that voice. Um, I could see it straight away, and I can see him like doing his hair like that. I think he'll go all out for it, and he would love to hang out with the wild cats because uh, <laughs> he, he's crazy about cats, isn't he? And uh, uh, yeah, I, do, I just think he'd love to do it. And uh, there's so much for him to to go on there because uh, uh, Joe Exotic is a larger than life character, and the story is amazing 
yeah. in and of itself. So goodness knows what they're going to do with with a TV series. Um, yeah, I, I I cannot wait. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, before I let you go, Rachel, um, yeah, if anyone wants to keep up to date with what you're doing in regard to zines and stuff like that, where's the best place for people to find you? Well, um, I'm on Twitter and um, my uh, Twitter handle, if that's what you call it, is at Tiny Noggin, which is T-I-N-Y-N-O-G-G-I-N. And um, I, I've um, currently got um, it's the, the zine that you've read, Nick Cage, Actor for Hire. It's number one of a series. And uh, in the first issue, um, there are, I think, seven films that I've reviewed and drawn pictures from. And uh, that's available in my Etsy store. Um, my Etsy store is um, also called Tiny Noggin. So you can find me on there and just uh, um, Google Nick Cage actor for hire. And I should be doing a second one in that series um, shortly, uh, just because I've been a bit lax on that side. <laughs> I have been doing drawings and um but it's just get, getting enough together to for the next issue. But I really should because um, people have been mentioning it again recently, <laughs> and uh, and I felt bad that I've I've not done it. So um, so I need to crack on and do some more because as I wait, because the idea being that I review all of his films or write about all of his films, he he just keeps making more and more all the time. So if I even if I just do seven an issue. By the time I've done another issue, we'll have done another seven films. Uh, although lockdown might hinder him a little bit, but you know, um, there's there's so many in production or um, in post production or what have you that um, each time you write about a film, another one's replaced it. That's for sure. So you must find that with your with your podcast. Well, yeah, we're we're, we're looking at like just this year alone, there is four films that are in post-production one of them says mm. filming but a lot of like um um articles and that do, do, do say it's finished which is like mm. I, I think that perhaps the yeah the third part in a mood trilogy which is wally's wonderland the title of this film has now changed to willie's wonderland and which i think is going to be a fantastic Nicolas Cage film. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I'd like to see all of them, as you know. But you know, um, but yeah, I am looking forward to it. Um, oh, amazing. Yeah. Well, Rachel, I'll let you get on with your evening, and it's been yeah. an absolute pleasure having you. Thank on the you podcast. so much. No worries. Thank you for having me on. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Thank so you. Between Worlds is definitely a strange and bizarre experience. And if you at home have experienced this film and want to chip in, if you have different opinions, if you have similar opinions to myself and Rachel, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can do that very easily via email, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. Or you can always find me on social media. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Caged in Pod. As we move into the new year, there's going to be plenty of ways that you can support the podcast if that's something that you want to do. I will be upping my game on Patreon, providing a lot more new content, whether that's interviews, early access to episodes, 
and little teases as to what is coming up in the new stage of Caged In. After this episode, there's only eight full episodes, only eight recent Nick Cage films left before I move on to something new and interesting, which, in the words of the guys at Sudden Double Deep, would very much be a sizzle. So listen to listen to tomorrow's episode. Hear a full trailer to where Caged In is going in the new year. Uh, if you want to support the podcast by buying one of the prints, you're probably well behind the deadline to get it for Christmas. But yeah, you can head on over to cagedinpodcast.limitedrun.com to get one of the fantastic Tim Hornsby designed Superman caged in prints. The easiest way in which you can support the podcast is heading over to whichever podcast platform you're listening on. If they have a rating and review system, just leave a five-star rating and a glowing review. And make sure you subscribe. Apparently, that is the one that means the most. If you subscribe, it jigs about the algorithm and more people can hear about this podcast. More people can kind of join in this cage gang we've got going on. So... Yeah, if you could do that, that would be amazing. And um, if this is the last episode you listen to before Christmas, have a very Merry Christmas. If not, I'll catch you tomorrow for a very special Caged In Christmas Spectacular. Or if not, please do join me next week when I'll be joined by writer and comedian Chris Martin. No, not the lead singer of Coldplay to talk about a score to settle and I will tell you already this is a real doozy of a film and a real doozy of an episode so do be sure to catch that one next week as always guys I've been Petrus Patsivus I've been caged in you've been amazing bye bye Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.